And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. Ari and I are here in Oxford, Mississippi. He has eaten a chicken fried steak sandwich that may have changed his life. He actually may have come up with a a million dollar idea. Yeah, I think that we need to uh, nationalize. Country fried steak? Country fried steak sandwiches or country fried steak in general because it's not something that you could get. It, uh, my mission will not be complete until it's as widely available as chicken sandwiches. I, so you, you're going to become the Chick-fil-A of country fried steak. I'm here for that. I'm, now, now, those who live in the South know that Hardee's has been doing steak biscuits for years. Mm-hmm. and But you're right. It's not that common. And so we went to Ajax Diner. And they do a country fried steak sandwich, and it's got mashed potatoes and butter beans on it, and a pickle and cabbage, and it's just it is a magical sandwich. And I think you're right. I think I, I how think many a people have it. gotten rich, not because they have a great idea, but because they've taken the great idea to where it hasn't been discovered. Yet. I, I told you about Bob Baumhauer, who who played at Alabama and then played for the Dolphins, and when he played for the Dolphins, they'd go to Buffalo and they'd eat wings, and so he gets done in the NFL and, and starts a restaurant in Alabama and he's like, I'm going to serve chicken wings. And people are like, why would anybody eat the chicken wing? Yeah. <laughs> Ass steaks. How's that sound? I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. And we want to workshop the name, Yeah, but we have, we have something really big for you guys today. So we're here in Oxford to eat country fried steak, obviously, but also to interview Lane Kiffin. And we sat down with Lane Kiffin in his office and it was a fantastic talk. We we busted out the would you rather questions. Yeah. He he's he's a very interesting guy and well you'll see why he's smarter than us when you hear those would you rather questions. He's just a dude I would want to go eat dinner with and just hang out with and I wouldn't even want to talk about football with the guy. I'm I'm very fascinated by his take on things and it was interesting cuz all of our would you rather questions usually involve a lot of money. I yeah. don't think we've ever asked them of a millionaire before, so <laughs> it was it was it was very good. But but he also had a lot to say about you know this team this year what they're what they're building at Ole Miss. Uh, we talk about the transfer portal, but they've got some players that he's recruited that are pretty damn good. And you realize that that he came in in 2020 when there wasn't really a chance to even have people on campus or have them visit. So this is, if you think about it, this these last couple of recruiting classes, the first real recruiting classes he's had, and some of those guys are are doing great. Quinshawn Judkins specifically, yeah, at, at, at tailback. So, five and zero headed to Vanderbilt. Good chance they go six and zero. And look, the back end of the schedule is brutal. Mm-hmm. But this could be a special year at Ole Miss. So let's talk to Lane Kiffin about that year. I'm going to start out by asking about your coordinators. This video of Charlie Weiss Jr. and Chris Partridge. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe a little bit too low angle for for Chris's taste. But when you have coordinators hugging like that after a game what does that tell you about your staff uh that it's a really close you like unique 
staff. And so, I mean, that was so powerful and cool to see, like, you know, after the game, like, locker room was great, everything, and then it kind of calms down. You're kind of sitting there, like, and you turn another game on, and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, we won. It was great, and it kind of dies down a little bit. And um, quite kind of like your buzz dies down a little bit. <laughs> and then <laughs> I saw that video, and it, like, brought everything back. Like, it was so cool, like, to see that and to see how they were and just – how they were versus like, here's the offensive coordinator that could be like in the tank, like, well, we screwed up on offense. We didn't play very well, you know, like versus like, who cares? We won the game. That's all that matters. And that was really cool to see. And it kind of even overflowed into, we didn't, we did a lot of things poorly in the game, especially on, on special teams and offense that, you know, you sit there Sunday, you're Monday with the players, you're frustrated, you're mad because you wish you would have called a different play. You wish they would have done this, you know, and we could have, kind of blowing the game open to score three score lead versus letting them hang around. And I joke with the players cause they know we always try to find something positive out of everything. And I'm like, okay, I'm really mad about these plays, but had you made these, then we wouldn't have been in the situation. We would have never had the video at the end and, and our fans wouldn't have had that memory of the stadium, you know, rocking at the end and everything. So, you know, I was like, Hey, thanks guys for being so bad in four minute offense. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Lane, that, that was a, a very sturdy program you guys played that has been building something for, you know, three or four years and have progressively become, like, this is what their expectation is. To get a win like that, you know, what does that say about where your program is currently and, and how you feel in terms of looking into the future for what it could be, you know, even this year? Well, I think it feels good on everything you said, plus we lost so much last year, you know. We beat them two years ago when we played them. And if we would have like beat them last year, you know, we had all these guys that we knew were going to be good and thought it'd be a great year. And so to have to rebuild and reload and to beat them early in the year like that is a really good feeling about the direction of the program. So you've helped cast yourself. I think you've, you've kind of helped brand yourself as the, the king of the portal. But I look at that game you have Micah Pettis making his first start as an offensive tackle and playing great. Quinshawn Judkins is leading, I believe, leading the SEC in rushing at this point. How much can you kind of marry the concepts of filling the holes on your roster through the portal and, and targeted portal recruiting and then having these homegrown guys? Yeah, actually, both tackles are redshirt freshmen, you know, high school signees. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, like somebody said, you know, when we're looking at the game a year ago, would you have, you know, thought both tackles are redshirt freshmen and the tailback carrying the ball at the end was a true freshman. So uh, that that is exciting because, you know, they're there for a while. Um, and it's exciting to see some balance. So it's just not all portal guys. And I didn't name myself Portal King, by the way. Someone tweeted that, and I retweeted it. But um, retweets are endorsements. I'm, okay. I've learned that's what okay. that's what the the, the okay. tweeters tell I did, me. I did think it was funny with the Tiger King thing, so <laughs> I did retweet that. Uh, Lane, the, the thing that I'm curious about, and we were passed by Lincoln Riley, so I sent him one. <laughs> I texted him one day. I said, "You are actually the Portal King." Uh, it's funny because you have this. Uh, online Twitter persona, right? That people like view you as like a certain type of person. And, you know, this is the first time I've met you face to face, but this, you know, isn't that persona. Like, what do you want people to think that you are? And how does that differ from who you think maybe you are? I just like confusing them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. Um, I just think often in like 
coaching, you know, you just see, especially if you don't cover them, you're not there daily around the program. You just, you know, start to think something of someone based off of something they did, or you made an opinion early. This is what they are. And so we have those opinions of people. And then I've had them. And then you go work for someone like as a head coach, like, well, he's nothing what I thought, you know, or what outside things. So um, I would say Twitter is probably a lot closer to how I really am daily. Um, than what maybe people think. You've been more outspoken, it feels like, even the last year or so, talking about the portal and talking about NIL. And uh, it feels like you say things that other coaches definitely think, because I hear them say it off the record. You say it in press conferences. You say it when, with a microphone in your face. Was that a conscious decision to just say, look, you know, why don't we just talk about this stuff? Uh, I guess maybe that kind of after the firing at USC, like, you know, the whole like, hey, you're supposed to say this all the time and the coach speak and everything. I was just like after that, like, you know, I don't really know why we do all that. And we really just waste time in press conferences, interviews and don't say anything that really matters and, you know, just say the company line. So I just kind of I think FAU loosened that, you know, um, and then I just kind of kept going that like, hey, I'm going to ask a question. I'm just going to tell you what's going on uh, that just made you my favorite coach in college football thank you for saying that favorite one, favorite <laughs> one to interview because it's not it's, it's favorite not so one boring. in general um you know but it is an interesting thing when, when you look at just how much has been changing in the sport and we've, we've said this on the show you could probably make the case that there's been more evolution in the sport in the last three years than maybe even the previous 25 combined you know as a coach who you know is at a new place during you know going into the COVID years and all the stuff that you've had to manage you know, we talk about roster, you know, management, portal king, you know, recruiting a new state. Like, I mean, that seems like a lot for a human being to kind of adjust to. You know, how do you think you've managed that? And do you think that the evolution piece of college football as it pertains to your role as a coach is going to continually be like this on an annual basis moving forward with all these changes? Well, I can't imagine like more significant changes coming like these two that did, which I say in about the same year, even though. Portals earlier than NIL, Portal really didn't like hit to where like kids are like, oh, I'm going in. Portal initially was just like, okay, I'm not pleased how I'm playing. I want to go somewhere else. It wasn't like, you know, as viewed as like free agency, like, hey, then that place may be better for me or, you know, a better team that I'll win more games and stuff. So I think the fact that that basically in the same year span that NIL hit of, I say it's not pay for play, but we all know it's pay for play. So you're now a professional sport in a one year span. Those two things are so significant. I don't know how there could have been an error, like you say, 25 years combined that would change so much. And it really just made the sport what professional sports are, that it's so much financially based and about money. And now you have conferences that have changed and are changing and people are leaving conferences. So if anybody wants to get on the kids for chasing more money, just look at their leadership of, you know, what programs are doing. I mean, going across country to change conferences for more money. That brings us to the would you rather question. This is something we do on the show. Ari comes up with some of the most just odd, would you rather this or this? He's got he he's got one he came up with for you that I think is really because uh, I want to I want to know how you feel about but I'll give you a, a sample of one I had to answer. There was one where Ari said, "Would you take ten million dollars, but it meant there will be a turtle at some point 
who just starts walking towards you. And if he gets within five feet of you, you die. But you don't know when he's coming. You don't know when he'll get there. Or where he started. Or where he started. So would you take the $10 million and just kind of move around and hope the turtle doesn't find you? Because he's a turtle. He's slow. He's not a ninja turtle. Um, would, would you take that money? I said, yes, I'll take that money. I will risk that. But yeah. we, we, were, we were workshopping him today. He has one that I think is really interesting for you because because of how well you've handled the Can we the dive chains? back to the turtle thing? Like I'm waiting yeah, yeah, for, go back for more turtle. of it. Yeah. Like, so... It's, it's $10 million dollars so that the you. turtle can find you it's or no money per, and then I don't worry are. about the turtle. Yeah, the turtle, you just live your life and nothing happens. Okay. Would you take the money or would you want to live the rest of your life knowing that this thing that's very slow probably can't catch up to you, but know every night that when you go to bed for eight hours that that's an eight-hour eight window where this turtle, it, it knows where you are at all times and is in constant pursuit of you. What happened? And I die? If you yeah, if it gets yeah, within yeah, five I, yards of you. I, I wouldn't like that. So yeah, I, but what if I, I know like we tell, our, we tell our players all the time, they think like money's going to solve everything. If I get in the NFL, this is every player forever for the yeah. most part. If I get in the NFL and I get money, every, every problem is going to go away because I have money. So now being fortunate to have money, that's not true. And it does create more problems. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I would not want that feeling going to sleep that like that turtle is going to like Look crawl in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, then we know how you'd answer the yes. other one he asked me once okay. where no, I think, would, you, I think it's still a good thing. Would, would you take $10 million and and know that you'd wake up fine every day or, or, or no, would take no money and know you'd wake up fine every day. Or would you take $10 million and there's a 5% chance you'll wake up covered in peanut butter <laughs> every day or just like once every day. once and on, on an average of once every 20 days, you will wake up covered in peanut butter and must wash it off. Which, which well, I would is, think you take the money. I mean, you just shower and exactly. Thank you. All right, give him the, the one thing that you're not considering is that if you wake up in your own bed covered in peanut butter, how much of a disaster of a mess that would be. You have a lot of money. You can buy bed linens. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream Direct TV without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred Direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, the, the one question that I had b- before we get to the would you rather, so I'm going to hit you with two, 
And I thought this was an important thing because you have a, a background in professional football, and now you just said that this is professional football. And it's something that we 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 consider um, all the time on the show. But is your relationship, how you coach, how these players you know are treated, not that they weren't treated good before, but does that change now that they're making money? Um, I think it, I don't think it changes like daily interaction at all. I think it just changes because the money parts in combination with the portal and like kids can leave. So in the back of your mind, there is some like, okay, Hey, when that guy doesn't play, he may leave or before they really didn't leave for the most part, or, Hey, am I coaching that guy too hard? And he's going to get mad and leave. Now I'm not saying that changes a whole lot, but that may be in the back of my mind, but I don't think that that's money based because they have money. The only thing that I see a little bit of, and I'd be interested to know the places with these huge, I call them contracts the players have. Does that change the players like drive? Because we know that happens all the time right. in life. People get money and their drive changes. It happens in the first round of the NFL. You know, they get all this money and then their drive changes. So that would be the piece that I would wonder a little bit like, hey, I have this drive because I, in their mind, you know, I have no money because all I have is this scholarship check and I can barely get groceries and everything. Now I have some money. Like, does their drive change a little bit? Uh, I, yeah. I've not seen that. But then again, we don't have these players that some of these others. Okay, so now to the to the money-based, would you rather? If I gave you $100 million right now in a briefcase, clean money, it's yours, do whatever you want with it, scot-free right now, you could take that and live the rest of your life this way. Or I'm offering you the ability to go back 10 years in time, 10 years ago today, you go into your body wearing the shirt that you were wearing that day, starting off life from that point on with all the knowledge that you have in your head right now of what you've learned in the past 10 years, inventions, new businesses, new offense, the direction of the well, game. This is a no brainer. This is like back to the future. Cause you could, you could bet on sporting events and you'd make the hundred million. So you'd already know who wins the super bowl. So you would just keep, you would just take even before that part, even before I thought about you could make the money. Cause once you said you would know the future, so you could just make money. What, if, you, what if I took the ability to gamble on sports out of it? I, I still would hundred percent. Like that's, that's easy to go back 10 years, to be able to like know what was going to happen and make different, just handles things different ways and stuff. Um, you know, I would definitely do that. You could, yeah. right, if you went back like 13, then I made to just stay at Tennessee and who knows what would happen. So if you change the game to 13 years, yeah, let's change the game to 13 years. <laughs> Well, I already said I would have went back. So, well, you, yeah. You were, I mean, I guess, like, the thing I'm a little disappointed in is that, like, that was probably too easy for you. It's way too easy. I love that he went straight to Biff Tannen, though. Like, that is... Yeah, because if you know who's going to win the Super Bowl and you have any amount of money, you can just bet it and win it but, immediately. Plus, it's like, as you get older, you I, at least I do, I see that thing now about, like, you can't buy time. You can have all the money in the world, and buy, but you can't buy time. Time's going to run out. So, I do see that. I... This so so shows how dumb I am, though, because I'm like, oh, you could do that. You know, you'd you'd have this offense, and and you'd know the portal was coming. You could do no, no, just put all the money on on the games that nobody knew was going to happen. Like, put all the money on on 
George, well, was it not George Mason or Butler or whoever, you know, some NCAA tournament upset. Oh, St. Peter's beating Kentucky. Like that. I didn't even think of that. This is, yeah, this yeah. is why he's the, a lot six, smart. the 16 seed. Yeah. yeah. It was like supposed oh. to be like a, a thing. That's like, you know, but take stuff. that out. Just think about like what you could do. Like you'd be like stock. Market. Hey guys, you know, <laughs> well, the stock market, you know, yeah. there's going to be this thing. COVID. But I just, I offered a hundred million dollars. people would be like, what? Oh yeah, you're, well you're going to buy Pfizer stock is what you're going to do. That's, That's a good point. You're going to buy Zoom stock, Lane. We've we've now wasted plenty of your time with the Would You Rather. So this is you. You are no longer doing anything valuable for your program. So we're yes. sorry about that. But thank you so much. This is not helping us on third down or red zone. But it was entertaining. And we're back. How about that? You know what I love about the show, Andy, and what I love about you is you let me just be weird. Well, that's the best part. <laughs> you just let me be weird. You you get you bristle when I say you are Jim Harbaugh weird. I mean it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's uh you know that you got to get the right coach at the right time to to entertain. It was like this is in the middle of a game week here. Yeah, and we're sitting here talking about smothering Lane Kiffin he and was, peanut butter. He was. So. It, I didn't think he was going to care about the turtle question. He had many <laughs> more questions about the turtle, but the the Biff Tannen thing mm-hmm. I thought was was brilliant. But I thought the most telling thing he said was. If you made it 13 years, I'd just stay at Tennessee. And I don't think he's saying that as in, I'd rather be at Tennessee than Ole Miss. Not at all. No, that's not a, yeah. He's saying, I had a good thing going, and I thought USC was the thing I needed to do for my career. Yeah. I should have stayed with the good thing I had going. And I also think he, he's he been through a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like there have been some not so great years in the Lane Kiffin stock market, and I think it's possible that we would view him as, in, in this country as college football fans a little bit differently if he stayed the course. You know, maybe not. Maybe it would have exploded and whatever. But given what he's done, you know, I think you all could make the case, too, that um, having gone through the USC stuff and going to FAU and doing the things that he did, that he's a more mature, advanced coach now. So, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. And, you know, everybody always says something happens for a reason. And I don't know if I believe that stuff or not. But, um, yeah, the the fact that he even goes back and acknowledges that I think is a fascinating discussion point. Well, he he was the bad boy at Tennessee. You yeah. know, I remember like he would get called into Mike Slive's office, the commissioner of the SEC, about this thing he said or some other thing he said, and it was like, oh, you know, he's edgy. I don't know if the way we view people has changed over the year. I think it has. I think we like antiheroes a little more now. But you think it's because of Breaking Bad? Maybe. I'm not comparing him to a meth dealer, though. No, not no, no. But, to Walter but, White. but anti-heroes is the Sopranos Breaking Bad exactly. type thing, right? Right, we're, right. We, we're, we're more into that now. We People who push the boundaries, push the envelope. I also think there's just an appreciation for him because yeah. he went and won at Florida Atlantic. He's come to Ole Miss in a time of drastic change in the sport, and it feels like he's taken advantage of those changes where – you know, if you if you came to Ole Miss before, like Matt Luke was was trying to do it the old way, because that was the only way you could do it. Well, now Lane Kiffin has a bunch of different avenues open to him because the sport is changing rapidly, and he is building a path for Ole Miss to be successful. And I would you disagree? Am I crazy if I say that? You know, obviously Alabama and Georgia are on one tier in the SEC. But Ole Miss is on the next tier. Yeah, I mean, and that it's always interesting when the conferences are there, and um, you know, SEC is not quite at the at the level of the ACC, but the ACC is interesting for that reason. Of 
you know, you got six or seven programs that are kind of in a position where if things go the right way, they can ascend. And I think Mississippi is kind of in that position, especially considering the fact that, you know, we joked, let's get Ole Miss to eight and oh, nine and oh, or whatever, when they play Alabama. That's it's really like, that's possible. really, I'd say it's the favorite. Now, the thing that is interesting about Lane Kiffin to me more than anything is, is that, you know, back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean even 10 years ago. Yeah. Like this has changed during the course of my career. There was a certain expectation for coaches to behave a certain way yes and to tote the company line and to speak in line and not to be too interesting or too outward and now in a world with with all these evolutionary changes you know coaches have a lot of input yeah and their their thoughts and their feelings and their discussion points are are taken differently and I, I like that lane calls this stuff what it is it is what it is even and though you're not so like the the nil stuff he's like it's not supposed to be pay for play but let's be real. It's play it's for play. play. For play. Yeah. And, and he's right. And he doesn't, he's not saying it as if there's something wrong with it. He's like, that's just the situation. Yeah. And, and we deal just, with it. And it's just a nice breath of fresh air to talk to somebody who just says that they're not offensive. Yeah. It's just facts. Yeah. It's discussions. It's facts. And who are the people that we want to hear about from this sort of thing the most? Yeah. The people who are impacted by it the most. So, you know, I really thought it was a good idea to, to really get into that stuff with him. And I'm, I'm thankful that he was able to, you know, open up and be himself and, and talk about these things. And it's just like the same thing too, about um, how our players view differently and what they're mm-hmm. allowed to say, you know, this is an, a change that is shifting, not just with coaches, but with players Yeah, and what, what their platform and, means. And it's interesting because we have not seen anybody really take advantage of it yeah. yet, but somebody's going to it. I, I, well, I, I take that back during the pandemic. When the players, Trevor Lawrence specifically, Justin Fields, when they wanted to make it known that, hey, you guys keep talking about us without asking us, we would like to play. Yeah. I, they took advantage of it then. We've not seen anybody really take advantage of it in this NIL. You know when it's going to happen? What, what, how's it going to happen? It's going to happen when a player like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, somebody who is compensated very well. Yeah for their position has a passionate stance on a important issue. Mm-hmm. And in 10 years ago, that same player wouldn't speak Wouldn't say a word. Yeah. And now with the money that's coming in and the future that's ahead, there's a different level of security yeah. as it pertains to their ability to say those things. And, and maybe it wouldn't be allowed by their program yeah, to say those things. And now same, you can't even, you can't restrict someone. I mean, and those that. players, you know, we'll get a million comments. People were cheating back. Yeah. What, forget all that. They're above board compensated and their positions as um, quarterbacks of these major programs have been solidified financially. And back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean, three years ago, they had to consider, well, if I say something, even if it's the right thing to do, how is this going to impact my financial future? Mm -hmm. What does it mean for my draft status? And of course, those things are still important because the draft money is going to be more significant than the NIL money. But I think there's a certain level of uh, comfort when you're paid to, oh, yeah. to feel, you know, to feel like you are in a position that people care. Like, listen, you can't pay somebody a bunch of money to endorse your product and then not give a crap what he has to say about the game he plays. Absolutely. It's like, you can't, you know, so like that to me, I think is a huge difference. And, and not only the way they're going to be treated by the universities and the coaches and what they expect in terms of quality of life in these programs. But when issues come out, whether it be a football issue or a social issue, their their platforms that they're compensated for are going to be important. Somebody's going to have a fire podcast one day because a yeah. lot of these guys have podcasts. Nobody's nobody's had a particularly great one yet. Like 
Can you imagine if Pat McAfee had had a podcast when he was kicking at West Virginia? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that would have been amazing. It was like, you're going to have sponsored listeners, like if CJ Stroud or Bryce Young were like, you know what? I'm going to talk about the game for an hour every week on a show. And I'm going to tell you what people said in the, in the piles and the scrums. Yeah. How I was feeling after that crucial fourth down. Yeah. And they got sponsorships. That would be a, you know, I, I think that that's a, a, the next frontier. Now, I hope not too many of them. <laughs> do it because oh, listen, we, there's you, only you, so many hours in a week and it, i want to do what you gotta do uh, we we will but, continue to put out good shows and we'll, yes we'll, we'll stay in your rotation don't i just don't want to compete with bryce young i believe he does have a yeah, podcast so i'm competing with him on my wedding day my wife saw him i was like gosh uh, yeah that could you know but it could have gone, gone badly if she got a better look at him but uh you know yeah but yeah i think this is all very important stuff and i you know what i also i think i i left andy and I, I think we want to get into this into the show, but I had a different appreciation for how Mississippi is building their program right now mm-hmm. and the right way to build a program and how it might change from year to year. Because as you said, Lane Kiffin has been labeled or was labeled, retweeted and endorsed the Portal King name. <laughs> yep. But he might not have to be the Portal King every year. That's not the way. That's not just like right. just because you killed the Portal one year. Doesn't mean you're going to be beholden to that strategy. Right. You may fu- you may win 10 games again and have a bunch of people. Say, you know what? I I, I got to play in that offense. Right. And these are, you know, you're talking about really good high school players. And, you know, Ole Miss, they just consolidated their different NIL collectives into one. I believe it's called the Grove Collective. And uh, Walker Jones, who used to be a, a an Under Armour executive, is running it. Like, I do feel like they're going to have a chance to, to get in on some of these guys, especially because of the success. And also, recently, you know, even going, you know, go, going back to the Hugh Freeze era, Ole Miss puts guys in the NFL, yeah, and puts them in there in a fairly high draft position. Yeah, and it's like you, you people wonder, like, are these guys going to leave, or if they're very good? Right, like, would Quinshawn Judkins leave? Why, why would he? Why would you? I mean, <laughs> I think that Ole Miss is at that level. I think any SEC program may be safe for a few of the bottom, but even yeah. them probably. But yes, if, if you are if you're an above average SEC program, you shouldn't have to worry about people. Yeah, I, I think this is a far more desirable place to go than to leave. Yeah. Uh, depending on what your position is. So, but the fact of the matter is, is that for whatever reason, Mississippi isn't a particularly deep football state from a high school talent standpoint. You know, some years they, they have, have some really high top end talent. Have, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. they don't ever. Have now, good, the Juco, it's not like the Juco it's ranks used to be the how that how yeah. Ole Miss and Mississippi State could really compete because those kids would be playing so nearby. You'd kind of have an in and they may yeah. be from Florida or Alabama or, or Louisiana originally. But you could be like, hey, you, you, if you liked being here, just come a few miles away. And what do you think here. the reason for that, the high school thing, is just not a, a lack of a major metropolitan area? Yeah, it's just not. It doesn't mean people. It doesn't have as, as many people. Yeah. So, you know, they, there's going to always be a ne- necessary pivot when it there's comes to. two SEC schools you got to fill. Yes, yes, so. yes. So, you know, you're going to have to pivot into certain things in other states and other, you know, modes of talent accumulation. But. I don't feel like Mississippi can never be good unless they have a really good cycle in the portal. I think they can get guys out of high school. They've already shown that some of these high school guys are, are competing. Well, and that, that was the interesting thing talking to Lane about the the way he balances it out. It's he's just looking at it year to year. He he really is looking at it more like an NFL GM would look at roster management. Yeah. Than than a college football coach, which is how every college football coach should be looking at it now. Yeah, and well, the thing that's so crazy is it's even harder than the NFL because in the NFL you, you don't know, know when somebody's going to be a free agent because they're yeah, always a free yeah, agent. They're always a free agent yeah. in the NFL. You know, expiring contracts, you know, impending retirements, and you're you're in control of who you trade. Um, now it's like getting the eighty five and keeping the eighty five sounds like such a nightmare. 
Um, Can you imagine if they instituted trades? You can't do it. That's all I ever thought colleges, about. colleges, but yeah. I mean, it, it would be incredible. Like a school that has quarterback stockpiled. Like, can you imagine what Jalen Milrow's trade value would yeah, be? Yeah. Right what now? about Bryce Young's trade value? Well, you, you're not trading Bryce Young. Well, what if you are Alabama? I, oh, God. I, here I, we go. I disagree okay. with this. I think, like, what about you're Ohio? Not, you're not dangling Jalen Milrow to, to get you, like, one game breaking receiver. Like, what like, if you could trade. Bryce Young for three first round picks at other positions. Well, they don't. There aren't round picks though. No, I know, but you you would know. Yeah, you would know that Bryce for, Young is a is for, a for that level of player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, if I you're going to you. trade Bryce Young, but let's say you get let's back say Bryce this. Young come back comes back healthy for Alabama, and somebody needs a QB, but they but they've got a receipt, you know, a, a great game breaking receiver. Be like, um, we're going to take that receiver. You take. Jalen Milrow and and yeah. now we're good to go. I was just like, I like yeah. to even think like of Ohio State because these are the two quarterbacks we're talking about. Like yep. Ohio State could trade Stroud for the best linebacker and the best safety in the country. Oh, more than start that. CJ. He's worth, yeah, he's worth right. more than that. Yeah, start uh, another five star quarterback who's <laughs> on their roster and win yeah. a national title. That like that would be insane. Now, you know, maybe if they ever become uh, university employees, then you can open that can of worms. But like that, so, I don't know if you can't something trade. Something tells me that's never going to happen because you are picking the college you want to go to. And, yeah, and no, it is a fun world to think about, yeah. though, because you think about the asset. Imagine getting tra- traded from Stanford to like MTSU. Yeah, but also, too, <laughs> like in this world, you also cap. You only can take five portal guys a year and you can trade your portal spots. So like if you could trade, you know, I'll give you this. I'll give you. I'll give you this really good player. I'll give you three young five star prospects and two portal spots. <laughs> like if you start building your team that way. No, but this is college. But it is like an interesting dynamic but, because it, there are colleges who have a ton of talent to spare. Right. That still you can have a ton of talent on your bench, but still have holes on your roster. Exactly. So like that would be a fun. <laughs> well, I think I think LSU is a good example of that. Where yeah, they they probably would if they could they're deeper at some places. They probably want to trade for some DBs this right, right. at this very moment. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it would be fascinating, but that's not going to happen. But Lane Kiffin, I would say is taking that view as, as an NFL GM would. I, I think you're going to see more, especially at that level where you are a, a good team in a big conference, but you are not the, the program that the five stars cluster at right and like the thing is is that the quarterback and running back on Ole Miss's roster right now are both five-star or fringe five-star players so you know that's the thing we're talking about Zach Evans not Zach, Judkins Judkins Zach, Zach Evans yeah. yes yes no Jud- Judkins wasn't but they have guys coming into this this program that wouldn't now the question I have for you Andy and maybe we should have even asked Lane this but you know, I think if you asked most coaches in college football right now, would you rather be the portal king or would you rather still rely heavily on the high school ranks? High school would probably be the number one answer, right? Because Mo- you can build your culture, right? You kind of know what you have year to year. You're not, you're not trying to fit. And, and recruiting the portal is hard. Lane might make it look, yeah, no, it's hard. Easy. Yeah, it's hard because you've got to, you've got to have a staff that is very basically. They got to be good reporters. Like yeah. they got to know who's going in the portal before they go in because if you're just finding out about a guy when he goes into the portal unless you're Alabama and can just swoop in and be like hi we're Alabama we'd like to have you everybody else you better be on them yeah and the thing too is that like you know it does kind of satisfy the coach's instant gratification because there's no development you already know how they're good but like the thing that I don't know Andy is if somebody goes to a college 
doesn't play much mm-hmm. and then enters the portal. How do you know? How do you know? Like, that's the thing that is the hardest. Well, all these staffs have 50 to 100 people on them. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to find gonna somebody leaving. Somebody, or, hey, yeah. can you can you give me a little practice film? Can you yeah. can you take a look at this guy's practice film? Yeah. Give me a little, give, give me a little eval? I mean, that has to be happening. I you know, know it's happening. Yeah, so, uh, and at the very least, talking to people you trust that will tell you the truth. But, you know, the thing that is interesting is as Ole Miss, like, let's just say Ole Miss goes undefeated to the Alabama game, beats Alabama or plays them close. Mm-hmm. Then do you kind of take a step back and reevaluate how you want to build your team for next year or the year after? Or do you continually just say, well, here are how many spots we have. Here's where our weaknesses are. Can we address these with the backups that were on our team last year? Or do we need to go get ready-made well, players? Well, the thing is, by the time played? you get to the end of your season, like Lane will have a very good idea of what high school players he's going to get in the class of 2023 and which players on his current roster might leave. Right. So he'll, reason. he'll know what positions he's about to get somebody really good at that. He'll maybe, but, but may need to develop for a year or two and how many he's going to get who might be able to play right away. So I think it can be done kind of bespoke year by year. And it's also okay to say, I don't have a plan. We take it. We'll know in December. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you make the best plan you can by getting the best high school players that will come to you. Right. We'll be right back after these words. Now, what what I think it will do is, for the smart coaches, it will eliminate the reach. While we have this scholarship, I guess we'll go with this guy. And that's sometimes you, that really works out. Sometimes it's a player you really believe in that nobody else has offered, and you get a great player. But more often than not, there's a reason that player hasn't gotten a bunch of offers. They come in. They don't do much. Right. Save that spot for the portal. And you also don't want to put yourself in a position to offer the wrong high school kid because then you are, you know, if you lose a high school kid and he goes to another school, he might hurt you one time a year if he goes to a school you play. Yeah. If you take him, he hurts you every day for four years. Exactly. So even like if you get a portal guy who's at least maybe you still have some questions or isn't quite a finished product yet, but as a junior or a senior, he can't hurt you for quite as long either. So that, if, that's if a, you're wrong, but the hit yes, rate is higher. The hit rate guys. is higher because the portal guys who are good are good. Like Jordan Addison isn't like, yeah, there's, you there's get, no question. Does that count as a hit? Like, that's just like obvious. It's just obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course it's going to be that Sometimes way. it's less obvious because you may be putting, you're putting them in a different scheme or, but a lot of but, times these guys recruited this player out of high school and have, have an idea of how they'll fit. And the truth is, is that in the high school ranks, there is nobody like that. Right. Everybody's a risk. Five star mm-hmm. or two star. Yeah. In the portal, there are certain guys that are just no doubt about it. So right. you already Caleb are Williams like, and Jordan Addison. Yes, were, you're were already risk free. <laughs> you know, raising the water level of hit to miss ratio. Yeah. So, you know, but certainly think it's interesting because it makes teams better faster. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and and Ole Miss's schedule this year really shaped up nicely for them to let them gel and, and get some experience before they got to the in, meat in of the his bones. Press of that. conference on Monday, Lane talked about how it it's kind of feels like one of those NBA free agent, you know, the teams where the, the free agents all come together yeah, the first so, year and, and they, they kind of, it needs some time to gel, especially with his offensive line. Right. And he said, so he's glad the schedule worked out this way because now these guys have kind of learned to play together. You know what I thought, you know, when I, when I heard that, um, cause we were talking about how good Lane Kiffin was at designing an offense that makes his players look comfortable quickly. Easy. Yeah. The easy for them to learn. Yes. So, if Ole Miss is moving the ball as well as they have been and have not lost yet, yep. and their coach thinks that they still need time to gel, and I don't want to bring us back to Aggie land, but it's like, oh, oh God. my God, Here what go. does that mean? 
Oh, because we're talking, he's the standard for what yeah. for what Jimbo Fisher should be yep. striving to be, and and the person that's the standard is saying, "Hey, we need more time to gel." Yeah. So like that, like to me, that really hit home of just like you don't think that this is going to be a problem uh, for the foreseeable future in College Station. I think that was a nice reminder of just like even when it looks like it's working, it's not. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you look at the film of the Kentucky game, which was probably one of the biggest wins of Lane Kiffin's. Oh, I I think that's a bigger win than than a lot of people realize. Say, was it one of the bigger wins of his career? Yes, and and the way they won it, right? Like, I think people have this idea about Lane and the offense that he's running that they're just going to chuck it around. They are a sixty four percent run team, and they are capable of beating you in a variety of ways. In this particular case, they beat Kentucky with a massive defensive play. That's Kentucky right. Kentucky wins that game if there's not a strip sack. And it's crazy too when you think about the margins in the sport. Because if the slot receiver for Kentucky just gets set one millisecond sooner, yes. they lose. So I'm not saying that's a good or bad. I'm saying that they got that win. Right. It's hard to win. It's like, hard to the, win. The LSU-Tennessee game, I think, is a really good example coming up this weekend. Yeah. It's a coin flip game. How Whoever wins or loses, we're going to feel differently about Brian Kelly or Josh Heupel. Yeah. We probably shouldn't because if it's a close game, well, one There's play. one or two little yeah. things. Yeah. And I, but I do think that like when you look at the way that Ole Miss is situated right now, that their next two weeks, Vandy this weekend, mm-hmm. I think is it okay to assume this isn't coach speak, they're going to win the game? I, I am assuming that. Okay. Yes. And then the following week, they play Auburn, which is a very winnable game. Yes. And they could be in shambles at that point, depending on what Auburn happens with might, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you go, and then I think they have AM after that. Mm-hmm. Which so we don't know what they're we don't know be. what they're going to be at that point either. But they, I mean, they are favored in my mind to win all three of those games. So if you're talking about a team that goes eight zero heading into the Alabama game, which is what we joked about before the year started, that's a hell of a season, Andy. That's a hell already, of a, already a hell of a season. I mean, it's it's almost like house money at that point. It is. And then you go into um, you go into the biggest game of the year with you know more gelling occurring and. You know, players feeling good about themselves. And, you know, and this is a team that's always seemed to give Alabama trouble. I, so, I, I think Katy Perry would come back to Oxford for that. Uh, if she comes, I come. That's I was, what, you know, I was what, there when yeah. she was in Oxford in 2014. That was a wild weekend. Lane may need to make a call for that. But, you know, I do. This is my first time in Oxford, Andy. And, you know, the sandwich was, was tremendous. But, God, this is a pretty campus. The Grove. We parked right next to the Grove yeah. when we went to talk to Lane. And you just sort of look at and it. I don't. I did not order up this weather for this tour that we're doing. It's perfect. But the weather has been so. The highs for for the week in the places we've been have basically been like seventy five degrees, and it's like fifty degrees at night. I have not seen a cloud since Monday. <laughs> and I'm going through the south. I've been through the south many times, and for personal reasons, but never to the SEC with Mister SEC, who knows everything. He knows where the food is. He knows where the people are. And he knows where the places to stay are, Andy. So I appreciate that. But this is a place I feel like you could win. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, there have been years in the past where you would rank Ole Miss towards the bottom half of the or, SEC. Or, or you, go to a, you go to a campus where they're doing well and you're like, how are they doing this? Yeah. You don't feel that way here. I don't here. feel that way yeah. here at all. No. So it's like if you like do the hopeless meter, I don't think Ole Miss is anywhere near the hopeless meter. No, oh, no. And they Ole have Miss been on, a, on certain lists in the past for some reason. Well, and I think during the Matt Luke era, they felt like, because they were doing really well under Hugh Freeze. Then there were, they had the NCAA investigation. They had to fire Freeze for reasons not part of the NCAA mm-hmm. investigation. And then the Matt Luke era, I think they felt like they just sort of plateaued. And would they ever get that back? And Lane Kiffin's brought it back real quick. He did it quickly. And, you know, it's so funny, too, that, you know, before he was hired here, 
he was a hot name because of the bad boy image that he instilled in all of us from his time at Tennessee, you know, and he did a good job, you know, throwing the flipboard up all the tweets that he does and stuff. But like, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a, a coach at Kansas this year, who's turned something around very quickly. Yep. Now this isn't quite as dramatic, of course, but he's proven in a very short amount of time that he can build a program. Yeah. Cause they were very good, pretty good last oh, year. Let's, Ole Miss, we know what job's going to open in the SEC. We do. Ole Miss may have to pay up to make sure Lane stays. Yeah, and they should. And and they and they can. And the, yeah. that's the beauty of the SEC. And we've talked about this with Mark Stoops. If you're an SEC school now, and, and it's the same in the Big Ten, like if, let's say, Jeff Brom or P.J. Fleck has an incredible year this year and, and everybody wants them, they, those schools can pay to keep them. Yeah. Well, it is so funny to me about how, how perceptions can change because – you know, Lane Kiffin was always an attractive candidate when jobs would open before he got to Ole Miss because people thought, well, he's the type of spicy personality that can right. go get recruits. And it's like, you know, he has his tweets, he has his fun, but I don't think he's been doing it at all in a flashy way. Yeah. I think he's been doing it in a pretty efficient way. And I don't see him as the relentless recruiter that Nick Saban or Chris no. Smart is. But he's definitely been smart about picking his spots, but like, it doesn't seem like to me that this is a person that you would feel is a major risk to hire anymore. No, I don't think so at all. But I, did you view that he was a risk when Ole Miss hired him? I think a lot of schools did. I didn't really just cause I understood what he was doing at FAU. Uh, we had talked about when he went to work for Nick Saban and the offenses that, that he went and looked at. Yeah. And I, I knew he liked this offense. He told me, cause this is what he ran at FAU as well. And you know, it had been a little too extreme for Nick to add in to the Alabama playbook. He he wound up taking some things from some other places that Lane had been to, but Lane liked the old Baylor offense, and it wasn't necessarily because of the way they threw the ball. It was because of the way you could gain yards on the ground. There, the it's their tempo, but it's also how wide the receivers are split out that forces the safety to tell you, I'm I'm gonna drop into zone coverage, or I'm going to be up here in the box and try to defend the run, which makes your quarterback's decision really easy. Mm -hmm. If you're running an RPO uh, or if you're just calling the play in from the sideline, it makes your play caller's decision very easy. Yeah. So because the, the receivers are outside the numbers so that unless you have just incredible lockdown corners, you can't disguise what your safeties are doing. And so that's, it's one of those offenses where if they lined up the last time in a light box and you gained, you know, five, six yards, just run the same play again and you right. will gain another five, six yards. Yeah, no, it's hard to get out of that sort of, and that's the whole point of it, you know, and it's like the offensive, um, you know, ease that in which these new players have played is one thing. The scheme is, is good, yeah. but I also feel like he has developed into and, and kind of matured into a very good program manager, Yeah, you know, and like his NFL background might play into it. His understanding and we should have asked him. It was the uh, recently the the ten year anniversary or not the not the ten year. What year is it? The it would have been the the fifteen year anniversary of him sending Sebastian Janikowski out to try a seventy six yard field goal. Yeah, we should we should have asked about yeah. that. I, I no, feel bad now. Fifteen years since then. Yeah, we're old. <sighs> he was young though. Think about that. Yeah, he was younger than you are now as the coach of the yeah. Oakland Raiders. There are a lot of people who are younger than I am now that have done a lot more with their life. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I wouldn't have hired me to run a Wendy's. Yeah, at the age I mean, Lane Stuart Kiffin Mandel was. wouldn't hire me to run the athletic fantasy football. Well, league. You sound bitter about that. I'm a little bit bitter about it. Okay, it's 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 all right. Now I hope I get the job and I'm going to spend all their money. You worked out. It, it worked out well for you. 
It gave you more time to podcast. Oh, I also know what side of the podcasting wars I want to be on, Andy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how's that? I think I'm on, on your side. This Good. Is, I'm going to start a feud with them. With Mandel and, and yeah. Bruce? Yeah. Oh. You don't think that uh, I'm worthy? Well, well I, they see. were talking trash about you recently. Yeah, yeah. So. Multiple times. Wow. Multiple different episodes. So we're going to so. have like some Jets and Sharks going on? Yeah, with I, don't the, have any, with the I don't have anything negative to say right now. I'll have to think about it, but I'm going to pick my spots. Ooh. This this could get spicy. This really could get spicy. I, I got to figure out because you know Stuart is kind of management at our company, so we got to be a little careful how we yeah. approach this. We, I don't know if we can be too. And and who doesn't like Bruce? Like how can you be mad at Bruce? I don't know if they dislike me. I don't dislike them, but that doesn't mean we can't start a feud. Okay. All right, Audible, you heard it. We're at war. <laughs> get ready. Yeah, it's all. Uh, you know, it's like the the East Coast West Coast thing. Are you Biggie and I'm I guess Diddy? I'm probably Biggie. Does yes. that make me Diddy? But you're the more talented one. <laughs> no, then, yeah. I mean, I, well, are we I going mean, by body to... type or talent? I don't know what we're doing here. Well, you are the, you are the naturally gifted, like, just... You're Mace because he's handsome and smooth. I'm not Mace. Mace <laughs> mumbled. <laughs> what do you know about going now? Well, why did you mean, think that we were in New York? Because they live in California, I guess. I think so. I live on the East Coast. Okay. But I was like, I want to be let's, Tupac. Let's be real. We're, okay. the, we're the dirty South. Yeah, that's right. We we're are in, the dirty we're South. We're in the dirty South yes. right now. Like, we are we are an hour from where uh, Academy Award winners 3-6 Mafia yeah, that's, grew up. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. You'll have to give me a tour. But, you know, I will say, Andy, that I, that I am very impressed with this place. And I think it's... It's really cool to see them actually, you know, kind of doing what, you know, it looked like their ceiling was or what they, they could do on the field this year. And, um, you know, wins like the one that they had against Kentucky a week ago are, are make or break wins and they got it. Yep. So um, good for them. And, and it's very it'll be very fun and entertaining to see how Lane approaches his roster management year over year. Absolutely. Now, our next stop is Tuscaloosa. We're headed there for the Alabama, Texas A&M game Thursday. We're going to be in Tuscaloosa. They have a guest host each week of the season for Nick Saban's radio show, and that guest host this week is me. Now, I have done this a couple other times. Uh, the first time, I thought I would never be invited back afterward because it was the 2012 A&M Alabama game, the one Johnny Football dropped the ball, caught it again, threw the touchdown, and then you know they end up beating number one Alabama. But they did invite me back during COVID to do it remotely uh, before the, the Georgia game, so... That worked out pretty well for them. Yeah. So, so you're the good luck or the bad luck. I don't. We'll we'll find out. I guess this is the uh, this I, is the. I do remember when when I did it in 2012. Nick Saban basically described to the crowd at the radio show exactly how Texas A&M would beat them, and then Texas A&M beat them in exactly the way he described. Yeah, I wish I could read a, a story about that game. Oh, funny, you should mention that, Ari. Why? Oh. I just filed 3,100 words on the Texas Alabama 2012, or the Texas A&M Alabama 2012 game uh, to run in the athletic on Thursday. Oh, okay. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> that worked out well for me. What uh, synergy? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, Ari, Ari's been listening to me. I've read the story before it was written. He, he, heard, been, he yeah. heard several of the interviews and uh, and has seen me sweating out, will this guy call me back? Or yeah. uh, this guy's got sick kids and I can't call him now. You know, and Andy, hopefully I was I'll actually get a hold surprised to see that you had a hard time getting people to call you back. I thought that was kind of like a minions thing, like people like me. Oh, I thought people always called you. Back. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Right, so it was nice to see that I, I'm not the only one. This, that gets listen, when you, when you agree to do this job, part of that is agreeing to sweat out. Will this person call me back? Yeah. Okay. I thought that maybe there was a point in time where you, you had to stop doing that, but I think Peter King, like when I worked with him at SI, it always felt like 
everybody picked up on the first ring for him. Yeah, but that's think, pretty like, much it. Like Shams freaks out about whether someone's going to call him back. Yes. I think Woj does. You think Woj does? I Who's, think Schefter does. I think Rappaport does. Yeah. They all do. Yeah, there's on a, a oh, much. Bruce Feldman doesn't. Yeah, Bruce Feldman doesn't. Bruce, they call him or he texts him and they text right back. Or yeah. if they don't text right back, he texts somebody else who makes him text back. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce has called me a few times in the last few months and I've missed his call. I know a guy. But I, I, uh, so he worked with the strength coach. Yeah. <laughs> this is our war right now. We're just doing impressions of each other. Yeah. Um, and I had I texted him immediately to show him some respect, saying, "Hey, can't talk right now. I will I will return your call as soon as I can." And then did. Um, so you know you don't want to miss a call from Bruce Feldman, but um, you know maybe I'll get a call after the show. We'll see. I might want to miss that one. Oh, I think they're going to do it on the show. I think it, the whatever bombs they have to throw at us will be on the now. But you're on my side. You're oh, not well, going to leave me stranded. Here's, on an here's the question. So if they are if they are the West Coast, which is one of them Dre, one of them Tupac, is one of them Snoop? Stewart's not Snoop. Stewart's well, Dre. Okay, I think there's no possible. Stewart has to be Dre because of the, the management aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Feldman is Tupac. Oh, 100%. Like, there's no discussion. And if you've that. ever met Bruce when he's hungry. Yeah, yeah. It is the intensity of every time Tupac took the mic. And I'm Biggie. And you... I'm... I'm Andre 3000. Okay, you can be Andre 3000. Okay. <laughs> I'm Southern. I'm sorry. I'm not going to pretend to be a New Yorker. So, okay. No, I'll I'll take I'll take Big Boy or Andre 3000. Either either one, but I think I'm more Andre Bruce, 3000. Bruce, stay away from my wife, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! The the hit him up that <laughs> yes. comes out of this is going to be just spectacular. Everybody, it's been a blast. We will talk to you very soon from Tuscaloosa. Nicole Auerbach will be here. We're going to be picking games against the spread, and then uh. It'll be me and and Nick Saban talking to uh, the callers in Alabama. Well, man, I'm, I'm jealous of you. This will be you in like a year. Okay, I hope so. I want to do the Nick's. That's my career goal to do the Nick Saban show. I, I bet you're doing it next year, and I'll just hang out and eat wings. Okay, well, we'll see about that. But thanks so much for listening. An awesome trip to, to Mississippi, and, and stay tuned throughout the end of the week. I'll let you wrap this up. But that, it's been fun so far. We'll talk to you tomorrow.